1: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams.
2: Folks, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Alan Dempsey does our engineering each week for us, and uh, Andrew Herteliska does the producing. And uh, today we have produced Gary Thomas, the writer-in-residence at Second Baptist Church in Houston. And my, what a church it is. I've visited there, and it's a It's a powerhouse. Um, Gary has written a number of books on marriage. His latest is an updated version called Sacred Marriage. Gary, I'm delighted we can hook up, and I hope you're doing well.
3: Thank you, Pat. Delighted to be here.
2: Where did your interest in in writing and teaching about marriage come from? What prompted all that, Gary?
3: Well, i would written several books just on spiritual growth, Mm -hmm. how we become more like Christ. And I would noticed that the thing that challenged me as much as anything was marriage and family life. And I'd never seen marriage looked at from that light. Usually they're the how-to books, how do we make marriage easier, how do we make it more fun and more enjoyable. There's certainly a place for that. But I just saw a whole. as far as I was being challenged to deal with my anger, to become a more understanding man, to become a gentler man. And I just saw that marriage is really one of the primary tools of spiritual growth. And most spiritual growth books almost ask us to become like monks and nuns. You know, private meditation, getting away for solitary retreat and while I value that, I just felt like there was a dearth of books that looked at, really not any that I saw but how God can use marriage to shape us spiritually
2: Let me, let me go back a little bit in your writing, Gary. <clears throat> there was a book you wrote a couple of years ago called The Sacred Search Yes. What if it's not about who you marry, but why <clears throat> Excuse me, tell us about that book first of all Yes. Go ahead. Gary? Gary? And he had just said he doesn't like to do self. Hello? Yeah, I'm Gary, I'm right here, and I, I wanted you to talk about The Sacred Search, uh, a book you did a couple of years ago. Just fill us in on that book, first of all.
3: Uh, y- yes, The Sacred Search was written for singles. And it's getting them to view spiritual growth and spiritual mission as main components of why you want to make that choice. Infatuation is so overwhelming. Feelings can be so strong. But we know from research they can't last. They never last. Our brains aren't designed to let them last. More than about 12 to 18 months. And, and so my thesis was spiritual purpose, wanting to grow together in righteousness. I use Matthew Matthew 6.33 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well, really it's the motivation for who you marry. Because the richest marriages I know are rich in spiritual experience, shared spiritual ministry, and people that are growing to become more like Christ. And that's such a key, and it connects here to sacred marriage when the subtitle is, What if God Designed Marriage to Make Us Holy?, more than to make us happy, and people say, well, that sounds so religious or idealistic or just like a pain. But the reality is, the happiest people, I believe, are the people who are pursuing holiness. It's sin that makes us miserable. If you talk to any addict, they're not really happy. If you talk to a man whose anger isn't in control, he's pushing people away, he's paying the price, or a woman who's in the grips of materialism. And so it's really a false dichotomy to put happiness against holiness. I think in God's economy, holy living is a threshold through which we find happiness. And that's why I want singles to think about that. Is this a person that we can grow together to become more like Christ? And in marriage, pursuing righteousness together, we're going to be a more enjoyable couple to be around and to be together.
2: Then along came another book, Gary, that you wrote called A Lifelong Love... How to Have Lasting Intimacy, Friendship, and Purpose in Your Marriage. Uh, Where does that fit in?
3: Well, sacred marriage, as I've been talking about, is really how God shapes us through marriage. I kind of look at it as a spiritual formation book, even though marriage is its context. A Lifelong Love is a straight-out marriage book. How do we grow closer together? How do we build intimacy as a couple? So it really addresses it more from the issue of a couple where a sacred marriage looks at how you grow, certainly as a couple, but it's more how you're shaped individually through the process of marriage more than how you grow intimacy together as a couple.
2: Gary Thomas is our guest. Uh, He's in Houston, writer-in-residence at Second Baptist Church in Houston, and his book is called Sacred Marriage. So what unique challenges do you think this generation will face in their marriages, Gary?
3: I think the issues that led me to write Sacred Marriage have only increased in our culture. There's a sense amongst young people today that if they find this soulmate, this mystical choice, that marriage is going to be easy. And the reality is, as soon as the feelings die down, no marriage is easy. Even a wise marital choice isn't easy. We we have to die to ourselves, we have to die to our selfishness, that can be painful. And when we expect marriage to be easy, if we make, quote unquote, the right choice, it sets us up for great disillusionment then, and we might leave what could be a very profitable marriage just because we have a false understanding that it's just supposed to happen naturally. But you know, Pat, you know this from your sports background, great accomplishments require great effort and work. You can see people who are naturally gifted, but they lack the work ethic, and they might have more members on the team that have more natural talent, But if they don't put in the practice time, if they don't put in the work, Mm -hmm. they're not going to get the same results. And I think the same thing is true in marriage. It provides glorious opportunities, and there's nothing like living each day with your best friend, your sister in Christ, all that that means. But it does require work to die to ourselves, to confront my selfishness, to put her first, to put effort in, to make sure that she's doing okay and we're doing okay as a couple and so my concern is that selfishness is so rampant in our culture we end up with what uh, my senior pastor Dr. Ed Young says is two ticks and no dog and and so you have couples basically sucking each other dry rather than encouraging each other on a life of spiritual pursuit
2: Gary what do you want to tell a new generation of couples about the real purpose of marriage. That's important, obviously. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We need to set our sights a little higher, to be honest. God made us. He's too kind to let us be content with a selfish life or a self-absorbed life. We're just not wired that way. And so even when that smallness or that selfishness is we want to have the best marriage possible, I I believe that's too small of a name, and so the reason we want to get a sacred marriage is to realize that my marriage isn't just about me. It, it it's a testimony to the church. It's it's a parable to the world of what Christ and His relationship with the church can be like. It, it provides great opportunities to teach us how to pray and how to listen and to understand and to grow in love and to become more like Christ. And so it, it comes down to when you go to a gym. You know you're going to hurt. You know there's going to be pain. You know there's going to be soreness afterwards. But you have this vision. I want to get stronger, or I want to get faster, or I want to get leaner. So you're willing to undergo the pain. But the problem of being married without this vision, without a thought of a sacred marriage, is that you have the pain of the exercise. You have the endurance being tested, but you don't have the vision of why you're willing to endure that pain. So sacred marriage is really more of a heart-to book. A lifelong love is the how-to. How do you grow closer together? But sacred marriage is why you want to, why it's worth it to face the difficulty, why it's worth it to stay in there, and what God's doing through you and in you in the process of being married.
2: Gary, why do you think so many couples are waiting until they're older to get
3: married? Well, you know, to be honest, I think part of it is that... Um, We don't follow God's sexual ethics. I I don't think most young men would wait to 30 to get married if they felt like there wasn't an opportunity to be intimate with someone, and I think the same thing is true for most young women. And and I think since we've kind of divorced that from marriage, that marriage isn't essential for that. Uh, We've lost uh, a compelling reason that caused a lot of earlier generations to get married. I, I think some of that selfishness I've talked about before, well, if I can have everything I want in a happy life, why should I? raise a family you know i i'm i'm seeing questions that i've never seen before and really weren't possible to be asked before like couples saying, well maybe we don't want to have kids and and they don't realize that's a rather modern question that it wasn't that long ago 100 years even where if you got married and you acted like a married couple you were very likely going to have kids but
2: gary thomas is our guest more with gary right after this we're talking about sacred marriage this is the pat williams saturday power hour The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Stay with us.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94.9 24.9 FM and AM 950
4: WTLN. Looking for more than just a job? Searching for a career path with a higher calling? With a company who wants you for your life skills as well as your job skills? Find a career you can believe in. Find your true calling at ChristianJobs.com ChristianJobs.com is the largest Christian employment website with thousands of job listings in the Christian sector. Get connected with outstanding employers that share your values and understand there's more to you than what's in your resume.
3: I've always wanted to focus my energies in the Christian
5: Hi, this is Dr. Ahmad from the Salt Room Wellness Center at Melania, inviting you to my brand-new program, Healthy Positive Living. Now Saturday afternoon at 4, every week we discuss an important topic that will pertain to your health concerns from an integrative point of view. And this isn't another stale health show. It's informative, exciting, and we'll have some fun along the way.
1: We'll
0: see you here for your healthy positive living. Saturday afternoon at 4 on the new 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams
1: Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950, WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
2: Gary Thomas is with us, writer in residence at Second Baptist Church in Houston. We're talking about his book, Sacred Marriage. And uh, before that break, Gary, you were talking about uh, couples getting older, waiting till older, children, this and that. Uh, Pick up that theme, please, Gary, and finish it for us.
3: Yeah, I I, was just saying that once we have that vision that um, God calls us, I I think most of us, if we're capable, to consider having children, to, to raise children. There's a big biblical epic about that. And just getting the purpose that we make so much of life just about us, and we miss the overall picture of what God wants to do through us and without that vision it makes sense a couple say well then why hassle with marriage why bother
2: with the current high divorce rate uh, what advice do you have for young dating couples who are simply scared to get married gary what do you tell them well i
3: I'm, that that that's very true yeah i've seen that where some say look my parents marriage was uh, a disaster most people i see don't seem too happy and, and that's where, you know, and that kind of goes back to a lifelong love where I talked about where this, this, it, it's not just about staying married, married with gritted teeth. I, I, I think it's an obligation in my faith that, that we grow in intimacy, that we show our kids that marriage is good. It's a rich relationship. It's one of the most profound human experiences that that you can have. And, and so, again, it's not seeing my marriage just about me, how can I improve my marriage so that I'm happier, but it's really recognizing this could be a powerful witness to the world, to our kids, and to the church community.
2: You've been married for 30 years, right, Gary? So so, so, what are the insights you can give us on sustaining a marriage? What have you learned?
3: I'm sorry, Pat. It, it was completely silent, and then I just heard, what, what have you learned? I'm yeah, so you've,
2: you know, you've been married for 30 years uh, so so, what insights can you give us yeah. Yeah. on sustaining a marriage? What have you learned?
3: I've learned that a verse from First John 4.19 is so true. We love because He first loved us. Mm. The older I get, the more I realize how everything has to drive, derive from worship. When I receive my affirmation from God that I'm His Son, when I receive His acceptance when I receive His grace, and I realize all that He's done for me and forgiven me for, it nothing is more motivating to me than to show that love to others, beginning with my wife, than that. And, and so for me, it's just my spiritual relationship with God that has been the, the fuel, the, the engine is really a better metaphor for my marriage. I, I think earlier on, I looked at my faith as sort of the coat of paint on a car, You know, you do what normal couples do, but, you know, maybe you go to church once a week or a little bit. It wasn't until I realized that my faith really has to be the engine that moves the car, that that's what gives me the motivation, that's what gives me the purpose, that has made me more excited about being married 31 years in, or even than we were 31 days or 31 months in.
2: You say marriage can build better prayer lives, Gary. Uh, So teach us or explain to us how couples should be praying together. For many men, that's a frightening thought.
3: Yeah, you know, it it is, but I've seen some pretty credible studies where couples who do two simple things, you can do all of this in two hours a week, almost never get divorced. If they'll have physical intimate relations about twice a week, and if they will pray together four to five days a week, Those couples almost never get divorced. You know, we hear studies that Christians get divorced as often as non-Christians or whatnot. But when you get down into those habits, are they really praying together? Is their faith a regular part of their life? There's just something about those two acts, relating to each other physically and relating to each other spiritually. It requires a certain honesty. It, It requires opportunities of just relating and having to forgive and to deal with issues so bitterness and resentment don't grow. But, but if you think about it, you could, you could enjoy each other twice a week and pray together four or five times a week, easily in two hours a week. And, and in just that small investment, you're securing your kids home. I believe you're increasing your own happiness. Uh, but it's been shown over and over again that making God more a part of your marriage can have a huge impact. I would say to the men that are a little bit nervous about that, you, your wife doesn't expect you to sound like some... Uh, learned PhD scholar from England, doesn't even expect you to pray like Billy Graham. A, a simple four or five minute prayer, two or three minute prayer, where you can say, how can I pray for you? What's an issue coming up? Just knowing that you're there occasionally can mean so much to a wife. It, it Probably that is one of the, the most frequent requests I get. How do I get my husband to pray with me, yeah. or at least for me? Yeah.
2: Should there be secrets in a marriage, or something's some things better left unsaid, Gary? What have you learned here?
3: Yeah, well, you know, if you're not talking about birthday gifts and anniversary gifts or whatnot, I, I, if I believe, as as secret marriage talks about, that marriage is one of God's tools to help us grow in holiness, deception is the way that we short-circuit that process. Because if I'm tempted to do something... I'm naturally going to think, well, if I do this, my wife might be upset with me Could I have repercussions on my marriage. And so I might be inclined to say, okay, so then I shouldn't do this. But if I accept deception as a part of my life, well, I can do it, but I'll just lie about doing it. Then I'm going to lose that all-important intimacy in marriage, That the whole intimacy of accountability. And one of the things that i found to be most amazing in my life is my wife knows me better so much better than anyone else i've ever known and she still respects me she actually still likes me and just as a guy who grew up with a lot of insecurities three of four children not particularly gifted in any real area I-, I can't tell you how just fulfilling it is to have someone who knows me best accept me and, and and love me and delight in me but if i was lying to her pat if i was deceiving her in serious things whenever she's talking highly of me, in the back of my mind there would be, well, she likes me because she hasn't found about X. Mm -hmm. She respects me because she doesn't know about Y or Z. So I would double down on the deception, which means I would become more and more a stranger to her because I like the way she treats me, but it's based on a falsehood. I'm going to have to increase that falsehood. And, And so when men begin to lie to their wives, I think they start to lose one of the most fulfilling and healing aspects of marriage, which is being fully known and fully loved. And you can't really be fully loved if you're not fully known.
2: Gary, what have you learned about marriage over the last 15 years <clears throat> since the book was first released? I, I think you were in your late 30s then. Uh, you're now what, in your mid, approaching your mid-50s? I'm 53, yeah. How yeah. about that? So, What have you learned in these 15 years that uh, you can share with us?
3: Well, it, what was so gratifying for me going back through and trying to help make sacred marriage even more accessible for this generation is how, because I think these are timeless principles, how well they hold up. That it really is true that the basic bedrock issues of making God the center of our marriage, seeing how we have to have that common mission and purpose, valuing, I, I, I guess it's for me, a passion to grow to become more like Christ. Of all the things we could do in our life, you know, so often it's just when you're young. You know, professional athletes are often, their career can be over by the time they're 35. Even musicians, we've all had favorite singers, at least I have a lot from the 70s, where it's almost painful to hear them singing now, and you're saying, where is that young singer that was so powerful in their voice? But Christianity is completely reversed of that. it it takes time to learn to surrender to God's leading. It takes time to start to hate your pride as much as you hate not getting your way. It takes time to realize that gentleness really is a better way to relate to people than revenge or taking, you know, disrespect personally and and easily and and whatnot. And and so I, I guess, and it sounds arrogant to say this because it sounds so stupid, but God is right. I mean, I I think the older I get, the more convinced I am that God had this thing figured out. And when he lays it out in his book, he truly does know what he's talking about. He truly does want to lead us to the most fulfilling and, I believe, joy-filled life.
2: Who should come first in your life, your spouse or God?
3: Well, I, I believe it has to be God. I believe only when I'm receiving from him. When I'm getting his affirmation and I'm able to give my wife affirmation, one of the best ways to learn how to forgive is to spend time with the Lord and see how he forgives us when he's treated me with such kindness and mercy. When I realize that he has forgiven me far more than I could ever forgive my wife for, because he, he reads my thoughts, he knows the intents of my heart. How I can even use good things like preaching for selfish aims. And yet he's kind, and he's compassionate, and he's gentle, and he's patient. And so then he says, you know what, Gary? You're married to my daughter. I've given you all this. Will you love her out of reverence for me? And with that kind of relationship with God, with that kind of daily experience with God, I just found it a lot easier to stay engaged to my marriage, to look at my wife with those tender eyes, because I look at my wife, through the heart of god god gives me his heart for his daughter my wife every day and i've really found that's probably one of the most spiritually beneficial things i can do
2: gary how would you describe second baptist church houston texas uh to one who's (laughs) never been there
3: yeah i'm i'm so grateful to be a part of it uh we just had a funeral last week for Officer Goforth, the officer who was just killed cold-bloodedly. To see Dr. Young in action, really a nation's pastor, who spoke just, I believe, a prophetic word to the policemen about how we've got your back, and the royal color of blue, and how God has used them to confront evil, how it's in the, the prayer, keep us from evil, deliver us from evil, and that's really their call, to deliver us from evil. And just to see those healing words. Uh, For for the non, people that aren't familiar with it, they have six campuses. We're coming very close, but in a few months we'll have 70,000 members, Um, and and it just, I just don't know too many groups that could have pulled that off. You know, mega churches get their share of ridicule and disdain, and some of it could be warranted, but when you see something like that, where God just uses the whole community, and just to have 11,000 people come in, and to have security, and to be there to minister to the family and to know, Pat, here's the thing, what's going on behind the scenes, the ministry to the family afterwards and whatnot that people will never read about or never know about. It's really just a special work of God under a special leader, Dr. Ed Young.
2: What's next in your writing pipeline, Gary?
3: Uh, I've actually got one more book on marriage. We'll probably be going away from it for then. But it's really on a higher call of marriage. What does it mean to cherish Your spouse, every wife wants to be cherished, and so it's a book to try to help husbands. What does it mean to cherish your wife? How do you get there if you're disappointed in her or frustrated in her? And then wives, helping them to cherish their husbands. You know, so often they are so disappointed; they feel like their husbands aren't stepping up as spiritual leaders or whatnot. And yet, I believe there is a biblical call to cherish. It's not just enough to stay put, as as Jesus's attitude was toward the church. So that's to be the husband's attitude toward his wife. It's, it, it's inspiring me. It's challenged me. really can't wait till it gets out there.
2: What does the word cherish mean?
3: I, I think it, it means that we want the best for them, not how it relates to us, but we want truly what's best for them, that we take as much joy in their success as in our success. I want to showcase my wife. You know, there's a statement, the ballet is the woman. And and the beauty behind that is that male dancers that succeed the best realize their job is to showcase the ballerina. They can twist her, they can turn her, they can support her so that she can do things because of their support that she couldn't do on her own. And the male dancers who get it are the ones that realize she's the star of the show. And I think it's a beautiful picture of marriage, that I'm there to support my wife, to build up my wife, to showcase her to the world. Look at this daughter of God, the gifts He's given her. How do I bring those gifts to their fruition? How do I showcase them so others can see them? How do my kids see that I hold her up so high? And you see that in Proverbs 31, the wife that is just being bragged about by her husband. And in the book is really an exploration. How do we get to that point? Past desperation past disappointment to actually cherishing our spouse
2: our guest has been gary thomas his book and it's all cleaned up and revised and reissued with zondervan it's called sacred marriage it's in bookstores now and uh gary's going to reflect on 15 years of sacred marriage it's a terrific read so glad we could visit gary thanks for joining me and i wish you nothing but
3: the best Thank you so much, Pat. Always great to talk with you.
2: Gary Thomas, writer-in-residence at Second Baptist Church in Houston. We've got more after this here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is a new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
4: The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I had numerous credit cards, and I was struggling with paying them off. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-758-5360 to talk to a certified counselor.
2: I had heard about Trinity, so I made the call. They took care of all of my credit cards, and now I am completely debt-free.
4: Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands.
2: The people at Trinity are very friendly. They will do whatever you need them to do in order for you to feel better about being in a very difficult place.
4: If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-758-5360. My name is Ann, and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-758-5360. make it all stop for a few
1: minutes help me god
3: three deadlines four meetings Uh, looks like another late night at the office help me god
1: i keep coming to these to forget my loneliness so why do i still feel so alone help me god help
5: me god
4: We all have moments where we feel we've reached the end of our rope. Discover freedom from anxiety, stress, and fear when you spend time in God's Word. Crosswalk.com is here to help you start living a life filled with joy and peace. Choose to read the Bible and talk to God each day. Receive free daily devotionals from well-known pastors and authors, including Max Lucado, John Piper, Charles Stanley, James McDonald, and more. Find the inspiration and encouragement you need for each day sent right to your inbox. Sign up at Crosswalk.com crosswalk.com you're listening to the pat williams power hour
1: on the new 94.9 fm and am 950
2: wtln and now here's pat our guest in that first half hour was gary thomas writer in residence at second baptist church in houston talking about his latest work called sacred marriage when we go from houston to sioux falls south dakota dr bernie shock is with us Professor of Biblical Studies at the University of Sioux Falls. His book is called Raising Champions. I uh, really became interested in this book and wanted to have Bernie on with us, helping your child grow through sports. Uh, nice to catch up with you, Bernie. How you doing?
5: I'm doing good, Pat. How are you?
2: I'm fine. What prompted you to write and dive into this topic?
5: Well, I've been interested since, a kid, since I've been a kid, Pat. I love sports. I've been involved in sports my whole life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wrote an earlier book on kids and sports about 20 or 25 years ago, and I realized that from my experiences and what's happening in the greater sports world that an awful lot has changed, and I wanted to uh, write a second book about it. One of the, Because it's gotten to be so much more. Parents have doubled down on their commitment to kids' sports, and I'm not sure that they're getting a double return on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are more children competing than there were like 50% more than 25 years ago. More girls compete, more children start earlier, more kids focus on sport one year, uh, excuse me, on year-round, and on and on, spending more money, more time, more commitment from parents. And it's gotten to the point where kids sports kind of controls the family schedule. There was a time when our three boys were all playing uh, soccer, as kids, and they were playing a fall and a spring season. And I added up the number of commitments that that added to our family calendar, and it was about a 100. And as a result, there are a lot of families that are worn out and tired and beginning to ask, is there a better way to do this that will meet the needs of kids better than what we're doing?
2: Chapter 1, you call the strengths of children's sports. Uh, What are you writing here?
5: Well... It starts off with, first thing is the whole thing of just the physical things that it does for us. I uh, was diagnosed with Parkinson's about, oh, eight or nine years ago, mm. and the research that's been done on the impact of exercise on the slowing down of that is significant, and, and so it, I have a personal commitment to it and maintaining an active lifestyle. And you know, it helps heart health. It helps kids uh, not be obese. Uh, it just does an awful lot of things. And if it was, if that was the only thing it did, was help their physical health, it would be worth that. But it also stretches them in other ways, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, which I'm most concerned about. And uh, it's just there's just a lot of good things that sports does for kids.
2: Now let's move to the second topic, the weakness of children's sports.
5: Well, there are several weaknesses, Pat, and one is, just as we've talked about probably for years, is the whole overemphasis on winning. I love the quote by, is is David Platt, is that the right name of the Cleveland Clevelanders coach? At the end of the championship series, he had a quote that I just love. He said, not all stories have happy endings. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad story.
3: (laughs) Mm.
5: And that that is such a good perspective to have, that, you know, we don't need to win to have a good experience. And uh, unfortunately, we're putting way too much emphasis on winning. And uh, the the other weaknesses, well, one of them ones is that there's probably too much involvement with kids and uh, what's going on in their sports that... I was just watching my grandkids this last weekend, and they were out here, and there are five or six of them that were here, and they were playing four-square. And what was fun was to watch them make the rules, figure out a way to play the game so that a 3-year-old and a 13-year-old could enjoy playing. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of that that goes on today. Mm-hmm. Think about the last time that you saw kids playing, say, a pickup baseball game or a basketball game. It doesn't happen very often unless an adult is there, and uh, adults can get in the way of them learning those social skills that uh, are so important for them in their future.
2: Doctor <laughs> Dr. Bernie Schock is with us from South Dakota. The book is called "Raising Champions." Dunham is the publisher. Now, <clears throat> third topic, Bernie: guiding your that- child, uh, guiding your child's participation. Pat? Yes, sir. Okay, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm right here, Bernie. Okay, I thought I lost you. Uh, chapter the third topic: guiding your child's participation. Uh, fill us in on on what you write there. Yes, and
5: how, and how should parents be involved? Is that what it is?
2: Yeah, yeah. Guiding your child's participation. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes.
5: Yep. And here I'm trying to talk about the role of parents, and sometimes kids do need help. And uh, they need help often interpreting their experience. I remember one situation, Pat, when my youngest son was playing high school basketball, and he was a junior and he was playing behind a boy. That was obviously not as good. At least that was in the parents' perspective. (laughs) Uh, But he came home after one game and he said, Dad, I practice extra. I play hard. I play well while I'm in the game. But I'm just not getting much playing time. I'm, I'm not sure I want to play next year. Well, we took him aside and helped him think that through. And we said, okay, Jared, let's look at it this way. First of all, you are leading the team in, in field goal percentage. So it shows that the practice is paying off. But I, also your team has not been playing very good competition. And we think that when you get an opportunity to play against some better competition that you'll do well. So we began to pray and pray that he would have an opportunity to to play. Well, the boy that was playing ahead of him got injured and was not going to be playing in the next game. And uh, we uh, asked we prayed as a family, we asked friends to pray. And so the next game came along, and you know what happened? He played little and he played poorly. Mm. And so we went back home, and he, on his own then went to his closet and dug out some material he got from an FCA camp about how to connect with God and his pain and his, his hardship. And so, you know, had God answered our prayers? Absolutely. Not exactly the way we would want it to be answered, but it was a way that was much more important as our son was learning how to connect with God. And uh, there just, there's just a lot of ways that parents can be involved. Uh, another way is that kids need praise. Uh, in fact, we all need praise, don't we? Sure. Last week I was playing pickup basketball at the Y, and one of the big guys in the team, as we were choosing teams, he said, I want Bernie as my point guard. I can't tell you how ridiculously good that made me feel.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: and, uh, you know, we, we we do all need praise. The problem is we need the right kind of praise. That uh, There's an awful lot of praise that goes on that I call junk praise, It's praise that is not connected to any kind of achievement. You may have seen the information about James Harrison the last few weeks, where he returned his kids' participation trophies. And I said three cheers for James Harrison because praising them when they don't do anything does not help them. And uh, we need to find things that we can praise them for. I heard somebody say one time, that uh, what you want to do is you want to catch your kids doing something good and praise them for it and unfortunately I think as a parent I was too often focused on myself of, uh, of excuse me, focusing on their errors and correcting them on it and felt like that was my job as a parent so I, I tried to put the focus more on praising them for the things that they do well
2: That's great Now we've got to talk about choosing a sport, Bernie Yes. Topic number four. How do we do that? Yes.
5: Well, one of the ways you do it is you look at your child and and recognize where their strengths and weaknesses are. Our middle son has the endurance of a South Dakota weather. (laughs) So for for, uh, for, so for us, uh, we encouraged him to you know do biking, uh, soccer, things that required endurance. And uh, so it's part of that. Part of it, too, is figuring out family needs. You know, the, the whole thing that I've become concerned about is that we are choosing sports sometimes that demand so much from families. And I think a family needs to take a look and say, you know, is this really the, the best fit for us as a family? Uh, the, and so that uh, is a concern that I have. And uh, then the whole thing of injuries. I uh, have some statistics in the book on which sports are the most hard on kids' bodies, mm-hmm. and uh, that uh, helps you make some choices too.
2: Next topic, Bernie: organizing children's sports.
5: <coughs> well, what,
2: what do you teach us here?
5: Yeah, the, the cow may be out of the barn in this one. <laughs> So, so much of what we are doing now, I think, is that we are we're doing too much, again, for kids. That uh, part of the way that kids benefited from sports was, again, what I talked about earlier, where kids uh, have an opportunity to direct themselves and make some of their own choices. Uh, but the organization now is such that kids have not much opportunity to do that. I had a... Uh, Observation at our Y basketball recently that uh, we had gotten to arguing had gotten so bad in our pickup games that the Y had to have a, give us a babysitter to watch what was going on. <laughs> and one of yeah, one of my observations was it was mostly the younger guys who were doing the most and the loudest arguing. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if the reason was because they had adults so much involved in their kids in their sports as kids they didn't learn how to settle an argument you know, deciding who what's out of bounds and what isn't, who fouls and who doesn't foul and so it, uh, it seems that they have lost some of those skills because of the way that we've organized kids sports
2: Coaches and coaching, that's the next topic
5: Yeah If I have had one conversation I've had a thousand with parents about their kids and their coaches. One of the things I continually remind parents of is that the goal for your child is maturity, not playing time. Mm. And uh, so when they encounter a situation, our eldest was playing behind a boy on his high school basketball team that he'd beaten twice in preseason tournaments, seven to nothing and one on one. Mm. And so we, again, we started to uh, to pray and ask God to give him an opportunity to play rather than just complain about the coach. And uh, eventually he did get the opportunity to play. But I think the, the, the big thing is that we have to model as a parent the right kind of attitude toward these coaches. You know, there are many times I'm sitting in the stands and I'm thinking, what is this brain-dead guy doing now? And if I pass that on to my children, it's going to make it very difficult for them to to trust God and to uh, just wait and be patient and be positive and uh, have some show some character in a difficult situation. Because I think that one of the things that we forget about too often is that often what God wants to do is to teach us, uh, to, through our kids' difficulties in sports, to teach them to trust God and to turn to Him uh, for help and encouragement. Uh, but the other things I say about coaches is, you know, to be a friend to them. Sometimes you can volunteer to keep some stats or drive kids to a game or, you know, just a whole variety of things you can do because it can be a pretty lonely job. And uh, to have somebody there who is saying, hey, I'm on your side means an awful lot.
2: Our guest is. Uh... Dr. Bernie Schock, he is with us from uh, University of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, He is a professor of biblical studies there, and he's written an important book uh, that affects so many families who are involved in youth sports. Raising Champions, that's the name of the book, and Helping Your Child Grow Through Sports is the subtitle. Uh, We've got another segment with Bernie. Uh, Just a reminder, you are listening To the Pat Williams' Saturday Power Hour. Bernie will be right back after these messages. Uh, We've been doing this show for many, many years here on AM 950 WTLN, and now the new 94.9 FM. And uh, we always look forward to our visits with you, and we're grateful when you join us. So stay with us. Dr. Bernie Schock will be right back. And the topic when uh, we return, uh, the influence of the sports world. Uh, Bernie's going to talk to us about that right after these messages. More of the
1: Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM950. WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at GraceImpact.org. 5:30 Sunday on the new 94. 4.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
0: Hi, it's me again. Does your garage door still have the blues? Making those late-night noises? Won't shut when you back out, no matter how many times you try? Well, it's time to get rid of those garage door blues with Florida Door Solutions. They fix, repair, replace, install, create, design, and upgrade garage doors and garage door openers. Garage doors don't like to have the blues. You need to call Florida Door Solutions. They can upgrade your garage door with the latest state-of-the-art system from LiftMaster with the exclusive gateway accessory. Call Florida Door Solutions at... At 866-FLA-DOOR. Florida Door Solutions has the reputation for doing the job right the first time. Every time, we're sent to Florida's headquarters for the best garage door and entry-gate products from Clopay, Overhead Door, LiftMaster, and more. Don't leave that shiny new SUV sitting down the driveway. And besides, we know who's driving that SUV. Score some points and get rid of those garage door blues with Florida Door Solutions. That's 866-FLA-DOOR. Or take a tour online at fla
4: your kitchen or bath a little dated. Then it's time to upgrade, and we're making it easy with half price kitchen and bath remodeling. Now available at AmazingRadioDeals.com. Your family will love all new granite countertops and beautiful cabinets. How about new bathroom counters and fixtures? And a remodeled kitchen or bath adds instant value to your home. You'll love that, too. You won't find this deal anywhere else. Only at AmazingRadioDeals.com. AmazingRadioDeals.com.
1: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
2: Dr. Bernie Shock is our guest. His book is called Raising Champions, Helping Your Child Grow Through Sports. I want you to talk, Bernie, about the influence of the sports world. That's the seventh topic of your important book.
5: Yeah, thank you. Uh, when I was a kid, Pat, and when you were too, we had very little availability of sports news. We had to get the sporting news or our local newspaper or whatever. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, and I remember sitting in the back steps of my home and waiting for the evening newspaper to come so I could see how my beloved Braves had done the night before. And all I got got was the score. You know, I'd be lucky to see them play three or four times a year on uh, the game of the week. But, uh, you know, now we have a gush of sports news through TV and Internet and uh, just a whole host of places where kids are really inundated with sports news and information. And one of my concerns is is how does that affect kids, and especially their love for God? One of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to raise kids who, who love God rather than the sports world or any other God. And uh, one of the things that I frequently counsel parents about is particularly how their kids are spending their summers. You know, fewer and fewer kids are going to church camp because they go to two or three sports camps. Or they miss a mission trip because they are playing in a soccer tournament that weekend. And parents tell me they, they try to justify that or explain it by saying that they are threatened with losing playing time or a place on the team. And even though those things seldom pan out, usually those are pretty empty threats, uh, whoever said that following Jesus wouldn't cost us something, and it may end up costing your, your child something as well. So we, we, what we're trying to do is we're trying to build a love for the sport. For, love for sports is fine, but not an obsession with them or getting our life from them. And uh, that's uh, one of the dangers, I think, for Christian families.
2: Now, Bernie, talk about parents as models. That's topic number
5: eight. Well, I'd rather skip this one and go to the next one. <laughs> that's, that, that's a joke. Uh, I remember one time, Pat, when I was had uh, I was had a speaking engagement, and I wasn't going to be able to see a sporting event. I think it was a championship football game, a playoff game that I really wanted to see. And so I asked my wife to record it. And I told my boys very seriously, I said, Now, you know I don't like to know the final score before I watch it because I enjoy the unexpected in sports. And so I get home and I'm greeted at the door by my 7-year-old son who says, Dad, I'm not going to tell you what the score is, but I don't think you want to watch the game. Oh, boy. (laughs) And I said, Oh, Andrew, you weren't supposed to tell me. And then I started feeling a little remorseful about my own behavior realizing that a trivial football game was more important than my treasured son. And so, you know, we have to be really careful. I I have to admit that I'm a recovering sports addict, Pat. (laughs) And uh, it has at times has become an obsession with me. And so I've had to really watch what I love. And to do that, you know, an addict, the only way you beat an addiction is by starving it. And so one of the things I've had to do is I've had to be careful about how much input, uh, sports input, I have into my heart. Because it's easy for me to, uh, to start loving that and thinking that's more important than things that are eternally important.
2: Now let's talk about mm-hmm. parents as teachers, Bernie.
5: Sure. Uh, this is kind of going on the same theme is that chapter 8 but it's more using our words to communicate these things one of the things that we tried to do with our boys was to talk about the sports world but to talk about it from the perspective of, of God's truth so you look at a situation like Adrian Peterson who is a uh, you know the star running back for the Vikings and uh, a few years ago or last year it was he uh, Used a switch on his child and left some scratches and bruises and that sort of thing. So, think about that. How would you talk to your child about that event? Well, one of the ways I would approach that is to talk about you know ask questions. First of all, how serious of a uh, how serious of a act was this? Is this something that's going to do damage to a child? And then the even greater concern, though, is you look at Adrian Peterson's life. And there are seven women who have claimed to have birthed an Adrian Peterson child. And so while the sports world is giving so much attention to this switch that is used on a child to discipline them, I think they're missing the bigger picture, which is he's raising children who are going to be without a father, at least most likely. And there's just all kinds of evidence that the serious consequences of children who don't have fathers. And so as we're teaching, we're, we're trying to, again, get, give God's perspective on what's happening in the sports world, and uh, that can be a challenge, but can also be kind of fun.
2: And now, <clears throat> this topic, Christians in the sports world. That's how you yeah. <clears throat> finish your book. What are you writing here, Bernie?
5: Well, there are several things. One of my concerns, Pat, is how we use Christians in the sports world and who we raise up as models. I, I asked the question in there that, uh, that we had Tim Tebow, the local FCA organization, had him come in this last year to speak. And I was very pleased with how much he focused on his, his relationship with God and wanting to give glory to him. Uh, many times these top athletes come in and just talk about their sports. And I think sometimes this encourages kids to, to pursue the dream of sports fulfillment rather than you know seeking God's kingdom. And then also we tend to put up winners. you know I, I'd like to go to a banquet sometime with the coach who's just been fired and have him talk about his experience or talk about a player who's had you know a series of injuries for several years that have diminished his ability to play because it's not just the winners that we we need to hear from We need to hear from the people who the sports world calls losers because they can teach us how to. To win in God's uh, perspective.
2: What do you want us to take from your co- our conversation here, Bernie?
5: Did I lose your Pat?
2: Well, right here, Bernie, I-, I just want you to tell us what uh, what would you like us to take from our conversation here.
5: Well, I think one of the big things, Pat, is just the whole thing of have families take a look at their their whole family life and make sure that they aren't building their life around sports. And the sports schedule, you know, the the divorce rate in our country there's, is pretty high. The second highest divorce rate takes place just after kids leave the home, and I think it's because parents are not taking the time to build their own lives and relationships. At times, I tell parents, uh, kind of these sports obsessed ones, that hey, it's okay to miss an occasional ball game. And when I say something like that, they look at me as if I just have advocated child sacrifice. Mm. Uh, But there there are times when a parent needs to have some rest and stay home. I was talking with uh, someone on another radio station the other day. He commented that he and his wife used to split up, and one would go to one game and one would go to another. That's a good solution, so that they can have some time to themselves, some rest, some time to go to a Bible study, uh, some time to invest in somebody else's life so that when the kids are gone, they have a life that they can go on with. I have to admit, we, we enjoyed having three sons in our home, uh, but we were also uh, thankful when they grew up and left and we could get on with other parts of our lives.
2: Well, I'm so glad, <clears throat> Bernie, that you could uh, take the time to write this book. I think it's important, and uh, you've shared some uh, fascinating principles with us. By the way, uh, before we run here... Uh, tell me what it's like to live in Sioux Falls, yeah. South Dakota, to those of us down here in Florida.
5: Bernie shock, Bernie, are you there? Yes, I was yeah, so you, checking out there, but I got it now.
2: Tell me what it's like to live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota.
5: It's, uh, it's a land of infinite variety. We get 20 below and 105 degrees, so... We get that wild swing from one time to another. We love it because it's not so crowded. There's a lot of wide-open spaces.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: We live on 20 acres just on the east side of Sioux Falls, and we see deer and coyotes and all kinds of different birds and other wildlife, and it's it's just a blessing to be here. But well, we, do, we do come to Florida for a couple of weeks in the winter to get away.
2: <laughs> Bernie, a million thanks. Uh, <clears throat> we will be back for a wrap-up, folks, right after this. On the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, it's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.